Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Iris Shore. Iris is the founder and CEO of Oribi. She is building a competitor to Google Analytics, which sounds like a crazy feat. I've spent some time in the platform. It's absolutely beautiful. It's an AI-based web analytics tool that is dedicated to making analytics easy, which sounds kind of crazy, for everyone without the help from analysts and developers. She's had two successful startup exits. This is her third company. Iris, welcome to the program. Hi. So, Iris, what's... uh? First of all, why entrepreneurship for you? I always find that people have different reasons for why they want to start companies. What was the reason or the catalyst for you to get into entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I would share that uh, I'm probably not a typical entrepreneur. I never thought that I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I was always like very shy and uh, I always had a different persona for what an entrepreneur uh, looks like. And when I was about like 25 or 26, I was about to graduate from architecture school and I had one year left and I didn't like it. And I understood that that's not what I want to do in life. And, and I decided to pursue my, uh, my next venture. And this is like around the, the bubble 2.0 and many of my friends started a startup company and they had two other friends that uh, were looking for their next step. And it seems like the easy and fun solution. It wasn't easy, it wasn't fun, but it's something that I really like. And I would say that the reason that I continued uh, uh, to build more startups after uh, my first one that was successful is uh, mainly about the pace of entrepreneurship. It's something that I really like. That's probably also the reason that I really like marketing is that uh, you build something after a few weeks, you see if it's working, if it doesn't. And uh, it's also about the pace of uh, like handling new challenges, learning new things. Uh, so I think this is the thing that I like best. I feel like architecture, I'm not going to say it's the opposite of entrepreneurship, but it's, <laughs> it is a lot slower. I mean, you've got, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're at the, the seed of a multi-year, potentially decade long project where you're not really going to see the results. Whereas, you know, a marketing campaign, I mean, you know, yes yeah. and no, right? I mean, some some of them, probably some of the best ones do take an amount of effort. So that's very interesting. You left something that maybe feels a little bit more safe and structured for something that's maybe a little bit less safe, but has a little bit of an exciting edge to it. Yeah. You mentioned you're, you're shy and not a typical entrepreneur. And I just want to have you tell us a little bit more about that, because I feel like there's a lot of people that are in our audience and that mm-hmm. are are out there where... There is kind of this stereotypical entrepreneur that we hear of, kind of the these big icons of whether it's yeah. you know um, 
I mean, we, we, we read these people in, in ink and in fortune or whatever, where it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or, you know, whatever, right? Uh, Oprah Winfrey, where there are these kind of bigger than life personalities. And I think that there's probably a lot of people that are sitting on the sidelines thinking that they can't be an entrepreneur because they feel more introverted. What about being shy has uh, been an unexpected strength for you within entrepreneurship? Yeah. So something that I always remind myself is that uh, if there was like only one persona for entrepreneurs, it would be very easy to invest. So I always remind myself that there are so many different companies. And even if you look at like the, the most, uh, I would say like the most famous companies like Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Bill Gates and uh, Jeff Bezos, they are very different. Um, and I think that uh, even though most people pursue entrepreneurs with like very high confidence and people that love to network and so on, it, it's very different. And I think that today, uh, where everything is digital, where everything is online, it's mainly about creating good products. That's something that I always remind myself. I, I'm not saying that it's not important to have a network, but I do think that today companies are being measured uh, based on their traction and the revenue, that's very much like the same of, uh, of marketing. Um, and they think that being a very product and marketing oriented person really helped me. Um, and they also think that that's something that investors really like. I think that investors really understand uh, the power of people that uh, um, are really good at product. They, uh, instead of going to dinners, they love to uh, dig in in the UX and marketing. Um, so I, I feel that there's a real like a <clears throat> change going on. I wouldn't say that most entrepreneurs are like super shy or introverts, but they would say that we see much more colors of entrepreneurs lately. So your third company, you've, I mean, first of all, congrats on continued Thank success you. in your entrepreneurial journey. This is hard work and not everybody knocks it out of the park, right? Not everybody creates a company that can exit and you've done that a couple of times and now you've got Aribi and I've, I've used the platform a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm an expert at it whatsoever. I'm totally a novice mm -hmm. on your platform. But I think that the premise is really interesting, that you're actually looking to take on kind of a, a, a large tool in our space, that you're looking yeah. to take on Google Analytics, the Data Studio dashboard kind of space, and do it better and at a little bit of a premium. And so what was the catalyst for you in creating Aribi? Yeah. So the companies that I find most inspiring are, are companies that took like a space that hasn't changed for a while, a product that most people use, but nobody really likes and changed it. They think that uh, a real innovation is not really about like getting into a new space, but it's more about taking uh, a product or a space that uh, hasn't seen innovation for a while. And that's, that's something that I really recognize about marketing analytics. So uh, at my previous company, they used to manage the marketing and product. And I always find it amazing like how difficult it was to answer the very basic questions, like what represents the users that uh, sign up to our system? What exactly is the impact of uh, our last uh, newsletter? So, so I was always amazed by the, the fact that I'm asking the same question that every other startup asks, and uh, we need to create uh, custom events, use code, uh, use developers, create dashboards uh, in order to answer it. And the same with Google Analytics, unless you're very sophisticated, you have time to customize it, you have developers, it's really hard to get actionable data. 
And, uh, and most people use it. I think that today all companies use it, whether they're small companies or large companies. Um, but most people are unable to really get high value from it. And that's what, what I found very appealing. And with the Ruby, we try to take a different paradigm around analytics. So today, like there is Google Analytics, and most of the other tools are more high-end. So these are like BI tools, Adobe Marketing Cloud, and so on, which are amazing tools. But you need to invest a few months in order to integrate everything and to start using it. And what we do very differently is to try to take the developer out of the equation. So today, in order to measure everything right, you need to define all your events. So you need to understand who is buying what, who um, signed up to your newsletter, to your webinar, and to create a correlation between all of them. And when we do it to Ruby, we enable users to create callless events. So you're able to create each event without using code at all and then to track everything in a much more correct way. If you're an agency, you can easily collect data from the website of your customer without uh, asking to access the website, without developers. And so it's very much about the initial barrier of collecting all the data and uh, building a new paradigm for it. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Brent here, and I'm going to rant for a quick second about Google Analytics. I don't know about you all, but I find that platform so difficult sometimes. I was in a meeting with a client, and they asked some basic questions about their website and funnel performance, and we hadn't set up all of their goals just perfectly to answer every possible question, and we weren't able to give them that answer, and I really felt like we were flat-footed. Like We had all this data, but we didn't actually have the insights that we need. A friend of mine sent me a link to a new tool called Oribi, and I have to say, I've been blown away at this new analytics platform, how intuitive it is, the fact that you don't have to have a developer to set things up, the fact that data is retroactive and you can ask questions of the platform that you didn't set up ahead of time, which makes you look like a rock star with your clients because your clients are going to ask 10 questions. And then when you give them those answers, they're going to ask 10 more questions. So you want to be able to show your clients cool results, but you also want to show your clients really succinct insights when it comes to their marketing performance, their website performance, their campaigns, their traffic spends, all of that kind of stuff. So look, if you're interested to learn more, I definitely recommend checking out Oribi. Go to oribi.io, that's O-R-I-B-I.io. And because you're all amazing listeners of the Digital Agency Show, they're hooking us up 20% off your first three months. If you go to oribi.io slash yougurus or use the code yougurus on their website. So check them out, oribi.io. Let's get back to our program. I love your quote of, you know, most people use, but nobody really likes. Because I feel like there's been a lot of industries that have faced some of that disruption in the last decade. I mean, you know, taxi cabs and Uber, yeah, you know, hotels and Airbnb, right? Where it's like, you got to use a hotel because if you're traveling, right? And sometimes, I mean, some hotels are great, but a lot of them are like, eh, you know, like, and that I think is is an interesting idea. How do you identify something like that, though? I think that's so difficult for an entrepreneur to go, okay, what, what is, like, how, how did you go through that process of determining? Like, was Google Analytics one contender of like, hey, this is something that people use. I know they're not huge fans of it, but maybe there's these other two alternatives. Or were you just drawn to kind of this problem in particular? And because it met that criteria, you decided to pursue it? 
Yeah, so I think it started with my own pain, uh, like many other startups. Uh, as I mentioned before, um, it took me a long while to build a very basic funnel to answer the very basic questions. Um, but before starting Oribi, I spoke with lots of other marketers. And, uh, and every time I say that nobody likes Google Analytics, they're like 5% that say, no, this is the best tool ever. I use it five hours a day. And 95% of the people say, yeah, I hate it. They can't use it. They can't understand that, what to do with it. Um, so if you're very data savvy or very technical, it's a great tool for you. Um, and another thing that I find amazing about the marketing space is that everybody wants to be data-driven. So it's very, very rare to have, to meet a marketer, even if they're like on the more creative side and they all they're just in charge of like uh, writing content and so on. They still want to understand the impact and uh, what to do more of, what to do less of. And, and for them to use a tool like Google Analytics is uh, is super challenging. And so I interviewed lots of people. I also interviewed lots of people from Google, trying to understand if they're thinking of a different paradigm. How come this tool is uh, is so complicated? And uh, and then I decided that there is a huge opportunity around it. And I would also share that in like 90% of the cases uh, that we meet prospects um, or marketing teams, there's always an issue around marketing analytics. It's very rare to meet. To meet marketing teams, they tell us that uh, they have everything covered. They know exactly what to measure and how to do it. So I think there's a huge pain around marketing uh, analytics. And uh, you have Google Analytics, you have uh, the Facebook Ads dashboard, Google Ads dashboard, and nothing adds up. You know, it, it makes me think of uh, a few years ago, we had a guy named uh, Ryan Dice, who's the founder of Digital Marketer, on our, uh, at our, one of our events and this question comes up all the time around, you know, are whether it's web designers or marketers, you know, are they being being made obsolete by all of these tools? And, you know, Ryan put up this image to in for our listeners, right? It's it's this, this picture of all of the different pieces of software out there that connect to yeah. an online business. And it was like you know, this just mirage of all of these logos. You couldn't even see like what any one of them was. There was like, yeah. a, there was over a thousand of them on the screen. Right. And it was, it was like, you know, he, he showed it and he goes, he's like, you know what that looks like to me? That looks like job security. Right. Cause it's, it is so complicated to like, to pull all this stuff together. And one of the things, and maybe you can comment on this that I always find with analytics and just the data component is I feel like every time we get an answer to a question, like, you know, what page is driving, you know, the most sales, you know, I always feel like the second I get that answer, it creates like three more questions in my head, right? Where it's like, and I think that's yeah. the biggest problem with like a platform like Google Analytics is that as we become curious about the data, we then ask questions, new questions, right? To help us get better insights. And then there's this friction you mentioned earlier the developer, right? Somebody has to go in and they have to set up goals. Yeah. They have to maybe add things to pages to fire differently, you know, and then there's this lag time between when you come up with this question that you want to answer with data and then they have to Im implement it. And then you have to go, okay, now we need to wait like a month and we need to get yeah. data to collect. Right. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things with these types of data platforms. How, how have you guys had, how have you approached that problem with your product development? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so I, I think that one of the most popular features of Oribi is that we collect retroactive data. So let's say, for example, that right now I want to understand if the webinar, um, let's say that I'm working on a new webinar and I want to see if the webinar that we had uh, six months ago actually converted and how users that attended this uh, webinar behave later. So I can easily create this event. I can understand uh, who are the visitors that uh, attended the webinar. I can correlate it with other events such as like sign up or purchase and so on. Um, so yeah, definitely that's one of the main pain points of, uh, of the current paradigm in which you need to add code to the website and only when you add code, data is being collected. And what we do to Ruby, we collect everything all the time. And the main part of the technology is understanding what event is, because usually you need to add code to a specific button. And in most cases, you have a few different buttons that perform the same, uh, the same action. Every time you redesign the website or add a new web page, you need to edit it or you need to maintain this event. And what we do to Ruby, we, and that's why using AI, we really understand how the website is built, what is the concept behind different actions, and we know how to group them together. And in any given time, you can, what we call like pin an event, we have all the data, so you can create a group of events or a certain event, and then to, to question it. You use the term, for, for, I've got so many, so many questions around this, because okay. first of all, you collect everything all the time. Yeah. And that to me sounds like a lot of data. I mean, that's just a lot of information that's flowing into your system that you're basically collecting, hoping that, you know, one day somebody's going to ask a question and we're going to be able to thread the needle with all of these past events mm-hmm. at a business problem. I mean, obviously, like if I think of Google Analytics, I mean, they have like li- literally limitless resources. I wouldn't say that they would ever be resource strapped. Um, how does that work for a smaller startup company to be able to manage that kind of data? I mean, is it is it actually a lot of data? I mean, I imagine that's a really complicated amount of information yeah. that you're having to funnel through your system 24-7, 365 days a year for all of your sites, all of your clients, all of these different platforms. I mean, I, I'm not much of a you know database geek at that level. I mean, how does that work? I mean, to, to explain it to a, a beginner like me. Uh, yeah, so I would say that probably like 50% of our dev resources are around uh, this issue with lots of algorithms of how to um, really narrow down uh, as a way we um, identify events, how to understand different patterns, and, and how to handle scale. Uh, but yeah, this is like the main technology of uh, of Oribi. Another thing that I didn't mention before is that we also send all this data to other platforms. So you can define, for example, all the users that uh, signed up to your website um, and then send it over to Facebook and create lookalike uh, audience based on it. Or you can create it, uh, you can send it to Google um, or to email automations tools. So we see Oribi as... Um, um, a tool that is going to replace or work with Google Analytics, but also as a tool for creating events for all the different marketing platforms. So the same problem of Google Analytics is the same for all uh, for all other marketing platforms when you need to create a new audience on MailChimp or you need to create a new audience on Facebook or you need to create a new field on HubSpot. Uh, it's the same issue. And we're trying to take out the developers from the process for all the different platforms so you can define everything once and then export it to other uh, 
platforms. That's super cool. I mean, I love hearing about the investment in the data side of the equation. Obviously, for your platform, that's probably that's how I mean, that's that's literally like the product and then helping marketers like myself to be able to understand it and use it. And I think that that's an interesting I mean, one of the questions I kind of had around this idea of taking on an established monopoly at some level, I mean, I'd say for most business, small, small, small to medium businesses, Google Analytics is kind of the platform. It's very ubiquitous. Uh, but it's also free. But I think that that's misleading because I think that there's a cost of the developer time. And it's like it's free on the surface. But if you actually want to do anything useful with it, then you need to pay you know, a bunch of really smart, highly paid people to like set it up in, in the way that you want. And there's this constant kind of delay and uh, you know, this challenge around that. I mean, how have you how has that impacted you in terms of your ability to sell your product that it's, it's, I think it's kind of, I mean, maybe not for enterprise, it's, you know, there's other more expensive yeah. platforms out there, but I think for a normal small business, you know, it's an e-commerce shop or whatever, uh, you know, it's not cheap. How do you have that conversation with people around, around those hidden costs with a free platform like Google Analytics? Yeah. So I would say that it is scary to go against the free platform. Um, but I think that there are two main costs that people uh, usually understand by themselves. We don't even need to, to educate them about it. The first one is what you mentioned about, uh, about the cost of developers. Sometimes it's in-house, sometimes you're using an agency. It's usually pretty expensive. And another cost is just about optimizing the marketing budget. So let's say, for example, that you're spending... Uh, 20,000K a month on Google Ads, and you have uh, five people working uh, on your team, and you're not sure which ads are converting best, what are the best landing pages, which content you write. So I think in most cases, people really understand them, or really are why in terms of the, in terms of the, um, optimizing the marketing budget. So in terms of like they're if they're able to pull insights and see, oh, this ad's not working, we're literally throwing money yeah. down the toilet, we can re- we can recoup some of the, the software investment through optimizing spend on Google, on Facebook, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And they say for agencies, it's also about uh, many maintaining clients, showing them better data, showing them better reports, uh, and that's something that Google Analytics doesn't really offer. And I want to talk about agencies a little bit because I feel mm-hmm. like with a marketing platform, it, you have two very different types of customers. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you have more than that, but like in a very simple kind of primitive way, you have the end business owner who's you know probably a good deal of your client base who's getting in there. They only care about their business, and then you have the agencies, our people, yeah. who have. Yeah. A little bit of a different, you know, first of all, they've got a little bit of an experience level with the uh, what's important for their clients, but then they also have, you know, multiple stakeholders and they have multiple different clients. And so building an agency is kind of its own business. And so how have you approached supporting those two very different types of clients? Mm-hmm. So today we work with a few hundreds and uh, marketing agencies. And I would also share that out of our clients that are not a marketing agency, I think about 50% of them work with a marketing agency. So it's like both sides of the table, how to help companies that work with agencies to measure them right and to analyze their data and how to help agencies to get better results. 
I would say that some features are the same. So measuring uh, campaigns, building funnels, attribution, and so on. Um, but the main thing that uh, we do to Rebit that really helps uh, agencies is uh, around collecting more data, as I explained before. I think today is the main reason that, um, um, that agencies lose customers or uh, for issues with the communication is that they measure different things. So I can share, for example, that like two years ago, we were working with an agency for Facebook ads um, and uh, they were telling me that they're doing amazingly well. They managed to reduce the, uh, the cost per sign up in uh, 50%. And uh, two weeks later, I entered the account. I saw that they're targeting in a very broad way. Um, they're using uh, cats and puppies for the ads. And so everybody clicks. And all the signs that they bring are pretty lousy and we can't really use them. Um, and they think that it's not because they, they, they didn't want to do a good job, but this is what they're being measured on. I told them I want to, to have a lower cost for signups, um, and I didn't think about the end result, result. Instead of defining for them what their qualified leads for us, or maybe to track things even more uh, down the funnel. So once we add more data, I think it's easier to create, um, to be on the same ground and to measure everything um, in the right way that uh, it's both for the agency and both for the customer. Um, so instead of measuring clicks or visits or just signups, they're able to really collect all the data, understand what qualified leads are, uh, which customers uh, were brought uh, due to their, uh, to their efforts and so on. That's cool. That's really cool. So being able to 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 go to the clients and be able to to get those insights and get better performance and and look at the end of the day, like a, a marketing agency is going to retain their clients. You know, they can't just build a great relationship with them. They have to get results. And what I'm hearing yeah. from you is this type of data, the insights, being able to retroactively access the data, be able to look at that across all their accounts is going to help them in that pursuit. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e, the number two, m, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. One topic that I want to hit on today before we round out our interview is on privacy and some of the changes that are happening uh, in this space, right? You mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. uh, some limits around, uh, you know, iOS 14 is going to be doing some stuff. I think obviously, I mean, Europe has done a lot of stuff in terms of privacy and data tracking. I'm sure it's on the horizon in the United States. I mean, you know, maybe our lawmakers will be able to get, you know, some interesting things passed. Maybe not, right? Maybe our dysfunction will keep it the Wild West for another 10 years. But I think that some, I mean, whether it happens at the government level, consumers are becoming more aware of this and, I mean, is that a threat for Aribi or how are you helping companies navigate that uh, that landscape in, in the right way in terms of, you know, tracking people's behaviors in a way that can benefit the business, but obviously not stepping over 
uh, any kind of weird lines. I'm sure there's companies out there that are doing some not cool things, but uh, but yeah, how are you guys navigating this kind of privacy 2.0 period that I think we're entering in right now? Yeah, so essentially, we're going to see a change across the board for all analytics companies. So we're all the same boat, and we're all we're all getting less data. Um, but I don't think that it's going to take analytics to more abstract concepts, um, which might be more correct. I think that today people are really trying to attribute everything and to understand that uh, 27% of the sales uh, arrive from uh, this uh, Facebook ad. Um, It will still be measurable. So in most cases, uh, the attribution is not very complex and doesn't involve so many channels, but I think that it's going to be less around getting to very accurate numbers and more about understanding the the high level of which channels work well together, how long does it usually take to um, and to convert someone, um, which type of channels are deal closers, which type of channels uh, are perfect for bringing users to your website for the first time. And I would say that today with attribution, even when we have like very good data, I think that most people are not sure what to do with it. So you see that... Uh, um, even though 50% of the budget uh, came from Facebook, it's uh, responsible for 40% of the purchases, and, and you're not sure what to do with it. And I think it's uh, the right path to take, and that's something that uh, we're working on uh, at Oribe as well, is more about helping users to understand when you should uh, send emails to users and how long after they saw a certain campaign, after they visited a certain page, uh, should it be after two days, after two weeks, after two months? Uh, which campaigns within the same campaign, within the same channel, work best together? So I think it's less about the accuracy, and that's something that we're probably going to see dropping over the next couple of years. And it's more about understanding uh, the concepts and uh, taking action, understanding what works uh, uh, well together, and then. Uh, and which method to apply. Very cool. Yeah, I think that it's like, you know, do we need to know that it's 57% versus 58%? I think the, you know, the question yeah. would be more, do we keep doing it? Do we increase our spend? Do we decrease our spend, right? And sometimes, you know, it's easy to get lost in in the data around some of those simple questions of, you know, yes, I know exactly how many pennies I've spent on, you know, this conversion, but is it actually telling me whether, you know, there's more people like that out there, or is there a market to grow that spend? Is there, you know, if we do double our spend, will we get the same type of results? I mean, these are some of the types of questions that I think are are probably more meaningful. What I hear from you is that's where analytics are trying to move more towards is, you know, capturing more of the insights versus getting like the percentages exactly right, which is which is good. Yeah, yeah and I think this is also like the the biggest challenge and pain around existing uh, tools that you see like like dozens of different reports, all the numbers, and you're not sure what to do with it. So yeah, and I would definitely say that because it's going to be the same problem for all websites, small, large, medium, and uh, different types of websites, and this industry moves so fast. So I'm pretty sure that uh, even if we're going to get a hit uh, uh, this year, we're probably going to find like new ways to target, new creative ways to uh, to get to the right people. So I'm pretty much that uh, um, the places that are going to get hurt are going to be reinvented real soon because everybody needs the same uh, 
and the same results and, uh, and we're all facing the same challenges. Well, this has been super fascinating, Iris. I, I feel like I have even more questions for you, so I'm sure we'll try to invite you and come back onto the program soon. I think what you're doing with Aribi is very fascinating. It's powerful. The time I've spent in the platform, I'm already kind of like, ooh, I can do this. Right? I feel like I have this, this amazing tool at my disposal to, to understand what's going on with our business and advertising dollars and traffic and users. And I mean, our goal is to help more people. And so I love to see data platforms that can help us on that pursuit. Are you ready for our lightning round? Sure. What is the best advice you've ever received? Other than not listening to too many advices, I would say that that's actually something that I learned from architecture school. Maybe like the only thing that they took from architecture is to always think in a large scale and small scale. So I think it's always about being in the details. And even though I'm a CEO, I'm very involved in the UX and campaigns and everything else and very hands-on, but to always think about the, the big picture as well. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I would say a combination of business and spiritual world. So I'm very into like uh, workshops and meditations and uh, it really helped me to take a step back from work and uh, um, and to bring more elements into it. Can you share an internet, res- uh, an internet resource tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Mm, it's a good question. I think they use all the, uh, all the regular ones and I don't have a good answer right now. And what book would you recommend and why? Actually, a year ago, I decided... Uh, um, not to, I don't read books for like probably like 10 years, but I listen to books. Um, and I decided to start listening to fantasy books instead of business books. So I guess that like for the past 10 years, it was always about like uh, business books and uh, podcasts about business and marketing. Um, and the last book that I listened to was uh, His Dark Materials. And uh, I have very intensive uh uh, life with like kids and work and uh, managing a startup. So I try to tra- to take the listening time to to take some kind of a break. Awesome. Well, so Dark Materials is the last book you've read. We'll we'll link out to that. Yeah. And uh, I think that's that makes sense. I mean, I don't I try not to comment on lightning round answers, but I think that uh, it's easy to get overcooked, especially you know as as you probably develop as an entrepreneur and you've been an entrepreneur for you know. Maybe it's 10 years and 20 years. And then it's kind of like, well, at what point do I read other stuff, you know, if, if, uh, if I want to yeah. expand myself? So that's, that's cool that you're making time to, you know, balance out some of the business and startup stuff. I think that it's a marathon, not a sprint. So whatever works for you to, to nourish on the long term makes the most sense. Yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably come back to business books uh, in a while. But uh, so far, the break has been very successful. Well, we will link out to Dark Materials. We'll also have some quotes, some uh, takeaways, gold nuggets over on our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you're going to see Iris's photo right up there at the top. Click on her and you're going to see all those resources on that page. Iris, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Uh, so first of all, you can enter Ruby.io and we have a discount for uh, customers that come from uh, from this podcast. So you can just write to us on chat that uh, you arrived from here. 
I also have a blog, but uh, under uh, startupico.com. And, but they, I write only every couple of months and mainly about management and uh, startup culture. Awesome. Well, we will, we're going to do our, our listeners a favor. We're going to organize these links. We're going to put them all in one place. So we'll have a link out to Aribi. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O. Uh, but we will link mm-hmm. out to Aribi uh, on our website. As Iris mentioned here, if you're interested in getting a discount for our listeners, just reach out to their team and just say, hey, you listen, you heard them on the Digital Agency Show from you gurus and, uh, and they'll hook you up. We'll also uh, have a link out to your blog social profiles so people can learn more about you if they want to get an idea of your backstory and your history and all that good stuff. So we'll organize all that for you. Um, so if you're listening to the show right now, if you're on a run or out on your bike or in the car, then just check out yougurus.com forward slash podcast and, uh, and you'll get all those resources for you. So this has been an amazing conversation, Iris. I think what you guys are doing is amazing and uh, I'm really excited to see the future of your platform. Thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.